Hello, welcome to the Better Outcomes Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Each episode, we bring you a conversation with leaders across the healthcare industry, exploring topics ranging from new treatment techniques and interventions to novel service delivery methods and business models. And now your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions, a leader in patient engagement and retention strategy. Let's explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Better Outcomes Show. I'm your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions, developer of the Ultimate Patient Experience Blueprint, where we get our clients, patients to say things about them like this. I have been to several PT clinics and companies over the years, and this is the first time ever that I'm hopeful about my recovery. I am so pumped, exclamation point. If you want your patients to say things like that about you, then head on over to www.rehabupracticesolutions.com slash UPE. That's rehab, the letter U, practicesolutions.com slash UPE, and check out the Ultimate Patient Experience Blueprint, or you can shoot us an email directly here at support at rehabupracticesolutions.com. We'd love to chit-chat with you and figure out uh, what's going on with your, with your clinic, with your organization, and uh, if there's any way we can help you get reviews like that. Well, what do we have on the docket this week? This week, we're talking to a physical therapist. Her name is Teresa Moore, and she's an author, a coach, uh, a consultant, speaker, the whole nine yards. Um, she published a book called The Art of Assisting Aging Parents, Discovering the Journey to Honor Your Parents, Create Treasured Memories, and Live Life to the Fullest. She's been a PT for about 35 years, um, and now what she's spending the majority of her time doing is training and mentoring other clinicians who um, who treat and serve patients who are in their golden years, if you would, or those patients that are getting uh, near the end of their life. Um, she does a lot of work, and, and we dive into this into the episode a little bit, about um, getting away from just your standard she's a PT. So a lot of our, our conversations stemmed around rehabilitation and that sort of thing, but getting out of your, your standard treatment protocols and really diving into some of those ancillary areas. She talked about nutrition. She talked about brain health. She talked about uh, mobility and all of those factors that are important for improving quality of life, especially as we age and continue to age. Um, and she's trademarked her her training. It's called the Experiage Training. And the goal of it is to help people of all ages find their strengths and life vision, set goals, uh, target concrete activities with the end goal of achieving the goals while taking part in group interactions and enjoying life. And we talked about that at the very beginning. So she started doing work in multidisciplinary group-based interventions. And we talked a little bit about the economic feasibility of that when you know there was a time the medicare wasn't paying for it now they are again and and how it all works how you structure one of those treatments so if nothing else maybe you'll get some uh, pointers and and insights about how to structure some of these interdisciplinary and multidisciplinary group treatment and just thinking about my own career when I was a consultant for the department of behavioral health and developmental disabilities here in Georgia we 
part of our, our contract was running what we called the integrated clinical support team or the integrated clinical support services for the state. And the way we decided to run it at the organization or the, at the firm was that instead of doing very siloed um, referrals and protocols and that sort of thing where maybe physical therapy got referred and then psychology got involved and then maybe nutrition, we did as much as we could together. So we did uh, multidisciplinary or interdisciplinary collaborative assessments, trainings for the providers that we were you know, kind of readying and, and supporting and for the caregivers for, for these individuals. We did all of that, or at least as much as we could, collaboratively and interdisciplinarily. So we didn't um, focus, if we, like I'm an OT, for example, I didn't focus solely on OT, but there were times where I was doing trainings with a psychologist and with a behavioral analyst and even a physical therapist, a speech language pathologist. All of that experience, we did that over the course of several, several years here in Georgia, really opened my eyes to one, the importance and the value of having multiple clinicians from varying clinical backgrounds putting a set of eyes on a, on a patient, on a given patient and their circumstance and their situation, and then developing collaboratively with the patient and their caregivers and the stakeholders and then the other clinicians a plan for that patient. So Teresa talked a little bit about how she got started in that kind of work in the, in the interdisciplinary group-level treatment plans, and then she even gave a little bit of advice and tidbits about how one could start a program like that at an, at an organization today. Um, so without any further ado, we're going to go into the conversation here with Teresa Moore, and we're going to be talking about her experience training. We're going to be talking about helping folks age gracefully, and then the importance of breaking out of cookie cutter and defined rigid treatment protocols. So without further ado, here's Teresa Moore. So, hey, Teresa, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, I, I'm doing wonderful, and thanks for having me today. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. So for those who might not know you, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and then kind of what brought you to doing what you're doing today? Okay. Yes, um, well, um, I have been living in the Midwest all my life. And I've, I've actually lived in four states, and um, but right here in the central Midwest. And um, I, I actually became a physical therapist 36 years ago. I um, had a passion for helping people and I love science. So, and I loved watching the body move and analyzing that and, you know, things like that. So that took me into physical therapy and um, I did that and I, I got married, had three children. We're in Iowa right now where we raised our children. In fact, if you watch the game last night, which was the Yankees versus White Sox in the, in the, in the corn cornfield, <laughs> I live about a half, one and a half hours from there. So oh, cool deal. And yeah. Yeah. And it was a great game yeah. and a lot of sentiment there, but um, yeah. So about 15 years ago, um, I got introduced to multidisciplinary group therapy and that's when um, my creative brain just took over. And I just, I, I saw the value of it and, and I just kind of blew it up. And um, I'll talk a little bit about that later about how I you know, built a framework around it. But um, Medicare kind of stopped paying for that. So I put it on, on the back burner. And then um, about 13 years after that, I decided to write a book because I thought, you know, this is very valuable information. 
I'm caring for my parents and uh, people are coming up to me and my sister saying, you know, what can I do for my aging parents? And I thought, you know, I've got part of the answer at least. So I wanted to put that into a book and I did, and it's called The Art of Assisting Aging Parents. And that is where I kind of talk about my method and, and what I do in there. And so about a couple of years ago, I thought, you know, I've got, I have to pivot out of physical therapy sometime, you know, being a clinician, I wanted to do something else. So I pivoted to now being an entrepreneur, you know, a coach, speaker, author, and consultant and on what I do and what I really believe in. And um, I'm just a real geek about it, but I really believe in yeah, group therapy treatments. I just, I see so much value in them. Yeah. Yeah. And you caught my eye with the, the multidisciplinary group work. So kind of explain how that worked. Like how is, how is those, the program structured, you were reimbursing it through Medicare. And now that's obviously not a, a deal. So I guess we're not doing that so much anymore, but like, how were the treatments structured? What were the goals, that type of thing? Okay. Yeah. And I just want, um, you to know too, I mean, uh, I think it was 2000, the fall of 2019, Medicare started paying for group therapy again. Oh, which, wonderful. Yeah, which is great, especially in the skilled care arena. But um, how it's structured is, you know, therapists just get together like, you know, PT, OT and, and speech therapy. You know, we get together and we say, you know, we've got these patients, um, they have these goals and let's set up a therapeutic activity for these patients that um, play into their speech goals, occupational therapy goals, and physical therapy goals. And, um, you know, and it doesn't have to be all three disciplines. It could be two disciplines or even just one discipline, but we would pick out a therapeutic activity that um, where we could like work on balance and strengthening along with cognitive skills and it, maybe even some speech skills, some, you know, ver verbalizations or some cognitive memory uh, skills, things like that. So. Um, you know, we, we just put our heads together, came up with some great therapeutic activities, and we set up what I call as a, an exceptional experience for the patient. And yeah, so we, you know, we work on, on body and brain. And, and I think when you kind of work on that and bring that to the highest level, uh, the spirit kind of comes along with it. You know, pe people are happier, they see their progress, uh, they work with each other. Um, there's just so many, so many dimensions to group therapy. So um, that, that's kind of what it looks like. But it, like for me, it could look like a, a Swiss ball um, group therapy session where I, I usually have, I have one patient on the Swiss ball and the other therapist is in the room also. And, um, you know, maybe we're throwing a, a, the ball back and forth to other, th uh, other patients in the room, you know, and we, we set that up. And, um, you know, now we know we have all this research that explains why, you know, patients even thrive just watching each other. You know, it's, we, it's the mirror neurons that we have. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, even like watching the Olympics the last two weeks, you know, our bodies, our, our um, muscle fibers were actually contracting in a very minuscule way, but we were uh, doing some of the same things that the Olympians did, you know, but we were sitting in our chairs and it was, like I said, it's very minuscule, but yeah. you're still going through it, you know, in, in your body and your brain, you know, some of the movements that they do. And um, even in art, when you watch an artist work, you're actually able to go through some of the same thought processes that they're going through. So it's very therapeutic. And that's what I like about it is um, adding a lot of therapeutic value to our treatments. Yeah, it's, it's so much more. And you, you kind of talked about it too. Like 
we we talk a lot about on the show about the biopsychosocial approach that we're not just joints and muscles attached to each other, but there's you know a psychosocial component, environmental component to treatment, and everything that that you're talking about is kind of bringing it all together, right? We're we're getting the social interaction, we're getting those mirror neurons acting up, and then we're also getting the physiological benefit of of the exercise itself. That's wonderful. Um, so all of this work. You did, you know, you were doing this group treatment that stopped getting paid. So you decided to write a book and that book was all about assisting agent parents. And then now you've kind of transitioned into this, what you call the experience of trainings, right? So kind of what's involved in the trainings and then we'll kind of, we'll break, well, let's just start with what's in the trainings and we'll move on from there to, to what's the, the goals and objectives and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. And in my book, um, I do, I do teach the, um, like healthy lifestyle strategies that are what I feel are non-negotiable. You know, we all need to be doing these things every day. So I start out teaching that. And these are things we can teach to our our patients also. Yeah. 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 And, you know, um, there's a lot of downtime. Sometimes, you know, if you give a person a rest break, you can work on breathing exercises, you know, or give them a handout on nutrition or something like that, that will, you know, impact their health. Um, but, uh, I was kind of forgot where I was going with that. Um, well, why don't you start by, by describing those non-negotiables then you, you piqued my interest with that. (laughs) Okay. Sure. Yeah. And actually I I kind of figured out where I was going, but yeah, yeah. (laughs) Thank goodness, you know, <laughs> got to work on my brain a little more today. But um, yeah, the non-negotiable would be the, the nutrition. Um, you know, I teach people how to get rid of the junk food, the processed food, and you know, get that good diet into their life. The hydration, you know, we see many more, you know, many of our patients are re-hospitalized due to the fact that they're just not drinking water, you know, and then they yeah. end up possibly, yeah, with that UTI that turn, could, could turn into sepsis or something like that, you know. So it's a hydration, it's the breathing. People don't realize how important breathing is to our health and our well-being. So I teach that. I teach uh, good sleep and sleep hygiene, how, how um, important sleep is to our brain. And um, of course, anything we do for our brain affects our body and the things we do for our body affects our brain. And I think that um, those are just some good principles and fundamentals to live by and to teach our patients. And then I teach, you know, the exercises for the the body and exercises for the brain. And um, I teach mindless and uh, meditation. Um, I know I'm I'm a therapist who all these years, you know, would ask my patients and I probably drove some of the people around me crazy, but I was always like, how did, how did that feel? Or how did it like, how did it, as they're raising their arm up, how did it feel to get your arm above 90 degrees today? You know, how did, how did that feel? Because I always brought their attention to what they were working on. And now we know that mindfulness, which is what that is, um, grows your hippocampus, which is responsible for your memory and your, um, and learning. So, you know, it's all these little things we can add to um, and make our treatments more comprehensive um, and help, you know, with the health benefits, you know, the health benefits of this, uh, you know, is huge. And then, um, and again, I think there's one more thing I teach, but it's escaping me right now. Um, but I, I will think of it later. But, you know, all those health, uh, all those, you know, non-negotiable health strategies, I try to tie those into these treatments. So um, my experience training is actually a four-step method. And, you know, and that's what I developed, um, you know, the 15 years ago in in a skilled facility, 
I decided to put a framework around the group therapy. So every week we did something different. And of course, you know that that doesn't work for everybody because you know patients come in every week and we might be on week three, but um, you know, headed into week four and um, you know, it doesn't work out perfect, but I felt like it would be better than not doing it. You know, So um, my first step is to um, help people uh, find their strengths. And if it's, if it's your aging parent, I have you, you know, sit down and have a conversation with your parent and maybe just ask them a question or two about, um, you know, about like, even like say, just tell me a story about your past, um, you know, something that you, you were successful in, you know, and as you're talking to your parent about this story, you're able to pull out their strengths. And, um, I have a couple other educational tools that I use to um, determine strengths, but you know, from you know, if you know your strengths, then you'll it'll shed light on your weaknesses, and so um, you know that's important too because as you probably know from being a therapist, you know there there are people that don't know where their body is in space, you know, yeah. and it, yeah, you know it's an, important for us to know that so. Um, you know, the, the, you know, I have people like work on their strength or work on their weaknesses and also nurture their strengths. So, yeah, so that is step one. I'll try to slow down a little bit. Oh, no, you're, you're good. <laughs> okay. Um, and then step two is um, life vision. And I believe that we all are motivated and work from, from our life vision. You know, I, I know for myself, when I connect with my life vision, I'm like, okay, this is who I really am. And this is, you know, I, I like myself and I like who I am, but I'm just not always connected to it. You know, I mean, cause we're so busy. We're, you know, raising children, we're helping aging parents, we're working a job and we just don't, don't connect with it all the time. So I have people even, you know, working with their parents and or patients to say, you know, and just asking these questions to figure out what's important to you in life. You know, uh, what, what makes you tick? What gets you out of bed in the morning and, and you know, sets you on a road to success every day? You know, and um, as, as people age, uh, sometimes we have to change and tweak, you know, how we act out that life vision. But then again, that's a challenge. And um, I, I enjoy the challenge of helping people do that. So, um, you know, we might change, change up the goals and actually in that, that second step, then we start setting goals, you know, based on strengths and life vision, we start setting goals. And, you know, I, I tell people, you know, to ask their patients, you know, well, what, what do you want to do? What's important to you when you get out of, out of this facility, how do you want to want to carry on in your life and what do you want to do? So, you know, then we start setting goals there, same thing with your parents. Um, they may have some things that they just dreamed about doing in their life. And this would be a great time to sit, sit down with them and say, hey, let's make this happen. And, and I know how to do this. And I, you know, we're going to set some goals, you know, and I teach people how to set short-term goals, long-term goals, and then bring in the concrete activities that will help them, you know, with the short-term goals to eventually meet that long-term goal. Yeah. So you're like diving way into the weeds on motivation mm. and behavioral change and all of that kind of yes. stuff. That stuff huh? <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah. You know, I, great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and it seems like it's kind of like, 
you know, it is, it is comprehensive and it's based on a lot of scientific research, but I try to make it easy and I try to make it kind of like done for you. So it, like in my book, I give tons of questions and in my courses, tons of questions to ask people. And, you know, you don't, you don't have to ask them everything, but it's just that, you know, that back and forth conversation you have with people that really helps, you know, with that psychosocial aspect to, you know, keep them, keep them in the game and, and get, get them going, you know, with that. Um, my third step is um, actually the, it's the concrete goal, the concrete activities and really nailing down those concrete activities. And that's where I add some of the health strategies in so that they get in that habit daily of doing these health strategies. And I teach people too, like with, and you know, with our patients, sometimes, you know, we have to tweak that activity. We have to, um, you know, make the, the accommodations and all that. So sometimes I'll help people um, to help, help their parents, like with meditation, I say, you know, just set up a place in the house where they can, you know, get away from things, put on some nice, quiet music or classical music, help them re relax. And um, sometimes when you can get into that meditative state, it actually stimulates that deep breathing. So, you know, um, you, there's way, there are ways you can do this that are not, you know, it's like super traditional or, you know, and, and now we have our phones, we can pull up an app you know yeah. <laughs> for that all that stuff yeah. so it makes it very easy you know these days to have the access to all that you know and then finally you know and even you know as a, as a therapist you know we're into assessing and reassessing yeah you know yeah yeah <laughs> we're like okay are we on the right road How, do we need to make some changes what do we need to do uh to change this up uh, and, and or are we meeting goals and do we need to start this whole process over? It's kind of like a never ending process. And I don't know if you're like that, but I'm like this. I'm like always setting goals. I'm always on the road to, you know, a new activity or one that I can add into my life, you know? And, and again, I love to teach people about, about their brain and how to keep it creative and flexible and take risks. And that's about making those changes and setting goals and, and putting yourself out there. And um, I just think our patients deserve that. You know, yeah, I, I, absolutely. Yeah. Cool deal. Well, so we've kind of gone through the, the, the four steps of the training. So how is this, how is this delivered? Are you doing this um, in facilities for let's say a, a nursing home or a, like a subacute rehab facility, or is this taking place across the spectrum? You've got family members reaching out to you for this. You've got individual clinicians, you've got groups, kind of what's the format? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I, I do mainly, I, I've just been promoting my book and I've been um, talking to um, places about, you know, getting this um, integrated into their, their systems. Um, I do have a, I've got one three hour course. It's actually, a, it's on allied health, um, education, okay. uh, that, that platform. And it's a three hour course on the group therapy and it's for ther therapists, you know, PTOT and ST. And then I have a, what I call my signature six hour course. And that is, um, you know, again, it's, tr it's, it's just teaching about the group therapy, but, but I bring in all. I, I bring in everything to this, you know, I unpack the research and um, I teach people how to set up exceptional experiences in the group therapy treatments. 
and it's for, um, you know, for, for all ages, it could be pediatrics, geriatrics, um, even sports medicine and things like that. Just, you know, uh, it just covers, covers a wide range. But, um, and then I, I mainly just teach therapists right now how to do the group therapy. Um, I, I believe it's very valuable. Um, I do have some courses for, you know, families and caregivers, but again, there's a lot out there right now, you know, and, and I, I just really prefer to um, kind of target like the therapist and help them with this. You know, I, I guess I'm a little bit more passionate about that. Yeah. You speak it to your people, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Cool deal. Well, I want to circle back. You mentioned something earlier and I want to kind of dive into it a little bit. You talked a little bit about delivering um, amazing experience or exceptional experiences to your patients with the hope of that affecting outcomes in the long run. Can you talk about that a little bit more? How, what, what is the connection between a patient experience and the, the health outcomes that they may or may not, you know, get from a, a an encounter with a physical therapist or any kind of healthcare provider. Okay. Yes. And just bringing that down to the basics as I really believe in experiences. Um, and I believe in them because that is what grows our bodies and brains. And so, you know, I delve into it on how to have this, this experience. Like I, you know, teach about um, sensory stimulation and um, all, all kinds of different, like even like the therapeutic activities of, of doing a family cooking group or a therapy cooking group. You know, somebody's standing up, rolling out a, um, a pizza dough. And I have this picture in my, um, in my course, but um, you know, I, and I talk about the at least seven to 15 health benefits of just standing up and rolling out a pizza dough. You know, it's, it's the balance, it's the proprioception, it's a shoulder range of motion, the wrist range of motion. Um, it's, it's a, you know, weight shifting, it's connecting with other people in the room, in the group, you know, situation. It's, it's a hearing, it's a seeing, it's a smell. It's, you know, it's just multi-sensory and it's multi-system approach. So I believe in these experiences, they grow our brains and our bodies. And um, it's, it's experiences at every age, you know, it's having that sensory rich environment for a baby, you know, that's where it starts. And, you know, we continue this through our life. So I believe that if we bring this into our patients, uh, it's that multi-systems approach, we're affecting the body, the brain and the spirit in um, these, these ways that um, help us grow as people. And I think where the frustration comes in, and you might have encountered this also, is um, I worked in several facilities where we see the same patients over and over and over. Yeah, frequent flyers. Free, yes, frequent <laughs> flyers. Yes, yes. And and I and you know I start asking myself, how can I change this? How can the, how can I make an impact and make this better? You know, how can I um, change this patient? you know, so that they don't end up in the same situation again. And I think, and, um, you know, I just started asking myself this, and then I saw this multidisciplinary group therapy, and I saw that, you know, how it affects the brain and the body, and, you know, fast forward 15 years, and now we have all the research behind this. People have studied it and said, this is why face-to-face -face action, or face-to-face -face, um, interactions are 
are healthy for us, you know, and even developing a network of people, um, you know, by face to face interactions and group interactions, you learn so much and you start developing this network of people, which we call your weak ties. And those weak ties can actually add to your longevity. Um, because, you know, and for me, I've, I probably have gotten a job off of a weak tie or yeah. I learn. Yeah, I just learn, learn these things from weak ties. I pick them up, you know, and even um, I give out a lot of information to weak ties like like our waitress the other day. I found out she was studying uh, design or fat or like textiles. And she and I said, do you paint? And she said, yes. And I gave her a website on how she could put her paintings onto textiles, um, you know, clothing, and it's free, you know, it's, it's a free thing to do. Um, and, you know, she's, she's a student. And so, you know, that might've changed her life in a way. I don't know, and she doesn't know, and nobody knows, but, you know, by these weak ties, um, it, you know, it really affects our life. So, um, you know, there's so, there's so much, and, you know, we're also finding out that social isolation kills, you know, it's responsible for chronic illnesses. And I don't know how many times I walk past a room in a facility and think, why are they sitting in there alone? You know? Yeah. Um, it's just things like that, that, you know, again, the group interaction and um, some facilities are wonderful and they, they you know, I, I work in a lot of wonderful facilities, but um at the same time, I, I'm, I'm real. I'm a real pusher for trying to make these changes, um, because too, you know, seeing Alzheimer's, knowing that Alzheimer's um, or dementia could be uh, reversed or or not or or not happen ninety percent of the time. You know, I know there's things we could be doing different. You know, and 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 that's why also in my book, I ask people to start paying attention to your parents, like when they're in their 60s, you know, and is like 60s or 70s, make sure they're, you know, doing these non-negotiable health strategies, because yeah, if they want their brain and body to be working in their 80s and 90s, um, you've got to start in midlife, you know, and yeah, you got to get a good foundation down. Yes. Yes, and building that cognitive reserve, which is, you know, building more neural networks and, and strengthening them and, um, you know, getting your body to its healthiest, um, you know, status. Yeah, we'll take you through life a little bit better. So, yeah, like you said, it's, you know, you just have to, you have to build it up in your middle ages. Yeah, so, and circling back to this, this idea of group therapy now, the, the group therapy strategies and programs, like, I'm sure you have experience in this in this realm. How how do the economics work out for maybe a treating clinician or an organization? Now the, you know we've already established Medicare stopped paying for it. Now they are paying for it. Is there a, a point at which it makes sense to think about group therapy, no matter what? Is there a point at which you're like you're losing money, so to speak, if you're doing only one or two patients? Kind of like how do the numbers shake out for for this being a feasible option? for a, a facility or an organization? Mm -hmm. Well, um, yeah. And I think in skilled care, because um, Medicare um, allows you to, right at this time, see, have one therapist see up to six patients that are doing, you know, same or similar activities. And um, so I think the economic benefits there are just, you know, they're on the table. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a good deal. 
Um, and then, of course, you know, yeah, the, the less patients you get, the less eco economically feasible it is. But at the same time, if you outweigh the outcomes and if you can get your patients out of the facility faster, um, you know, that that's good, you know, for, you know, the econ that, that economics, um, you know, and I, I know we spend billions of dollars a year just on um, social isolation the, or the effects of social isolation. So it is a, you know, it is a problem. And, um, oh, uh, you know, I think that I've talked to an occupational therapist who does group therapy and she does it on a cash-based business. And this is with pediatrics. But I think that as we are looking as a profession to do more cash-based businesses, um, we can get uh, the group therapy groups started in our clinics. I know that um, Medicare pays for Part B um, patients, but and instead of paying, like Medicare pays for the whole time they're in there. Like if they're in there for an hour, they'll pay for, you know, the 60 minutes of therapy. Uh, Part B patients, um, you can charge them for one um, group therapy unit per session. So you might want to have them in a half an hour group and then do maybe a half an hour of individual therapy with them. You know, I mean, I, I would, as a therapist, I would figure it, figure it out, you know, what would, what would also be economically feasible, you know, for, for, for me and, and benefit the patient. And then, um, so yeah, there's, there's that. And then like each insurance company will pay, you know, at a, at a different rate. Um, I think that the more ther group therapy we do, and if we show the, the outcomes, you know, we have good outcomes and maybe get our patients through the rehab process a little faster, uh, that possibly, you know, they might start paying more for group therapy and see it as a very feasible, um, you know, type of group, ther group or a therapy treatment. And um, then again, just back to the cash-based, um, you know, you can pretty much charge whatever you want to for a cash-based treatment. And I think too, that if, if you know, we get our patients working together, they may even want to continue as a group and you know, continue to make gains or even um, kind of more even like a maintenance group. You know? yeah. yeah, but I, I do see people enjoying groups. Like I know like my husband and I got into a, uh, uh, you know, it was a dancing, you know, it was, and it was a group and it was right here and actually the physical therapy clinic that I worked for, um, hosted this event, you know, and I think we had six weeks of, of dance training and then, um, you know, but many, many, many people stayed in that group situation with the dancing, you know, and, um, unfortunately the pandemic hit then and, you know, it, it stopped, <laughs> but, but, um, I think people, obviously people like groups, they like to learn in groups and they have fun. And um, they can even maintain and continue to, um, you know, work on things. And really, it is all about maintenance, too, as you age. You know, you have to keep those neural networks strong and uh, working for you so that, you know, you decrease your risk of falls um, so that you continue to be able to age in place, which is uh, very, very important, you know, at this time to be able to age in place and, and avoid some of the, um, you know, uh, type, you know, just, just types of things that might compromise your health. Yeah. Well, and I like, so I've struggled a lot, like internally with the idea of cash-based payment. And if everyone moves to cash-based and people it presents an access problem, right? I, I've done a lot of consulting mm -hmm. with folks in the Medicaid area and managed care. And it's like, well, people like that wouldn't be able to afford, you know, $125 a session or whatever, you know, some 
people are, are charging for, for a physical therapy appointment. But the idea of being able to offer high value, high impact services that are uh, being able to be offered at a lower price point because you're, you're doing them one-to-many instead of one-to-one really helps increase that access, right? Like maybe somebody pays $20 for, mm-hmm. for a group treatment and the therapist is still making a good, a good healthy living, um, but the patients are able to access the services they wouldn't otherwise be able to access. That's, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. So we've talked a little bit about kind of the whole, the whole game at aging in place. We've talked a little bit about the experiential factors of, of treatment and kind of how it all works together, mind, body, spirit. Um, it's been a whole, whole lot of information that we covered, but if there's kind of one or two main takeaways you would want the listener to walk away from the episode with, uh, what would they be? Um, I would say um, not to be afraid to, um, you know, make your treatments more comprehensive. Um, There are so many, I would say even like hidden benefits that I have been actually even discovering um, as I do more research and teach um, my courses. But, you know, I, I even came across the other day, and, and this might be common knowledge to most, but um, it was about play. And there is some, um, some actual um, continuing education and a real treatment that just in, involves play. And play is very good for our brains. And we all need to continue to be curious and flexible as we age. And so have you ever thought about telling your patients with their home exercise program to go home and play. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like that's that that sounds odd. It doesn't sound right. You know, we've been handing out these same exercise programs year after year after year, you know. And you know, and and keep keep an open mind to the things out there that we may not know about, you know, um, and how play and um, you know, it it actually it takes away pain you know, you use, you're, you're able to stretch better, you're able to strengthen. Um, there's so many benefits to playing. And um, if I can describe play, like people are like, well, what do you mean play, you know, and it's not board games, you know, you don't go home and play board games. Um, but you, you know, when you play with each other, you interact with people. And again, it's that group, it's that kind of that group and the face to face interaction. And, um, you know, I would say, yeah, as a therapist, be open to um, I, I just really feel like as a, as a, as a profession, there are things that we're missing out on. So I would say, be open, be flexible as even as a therapist to all these new techniques coming out that will enhance, you know, what you do as a therapist. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. Uh, before we get off, where can people find, uh, find out about you, find out about your courses, your work, your book, all of that good stuff? Okay, yeah, and thank you so much for having me. Um, it's been really fun to talk, and especially to another therapist. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's always fun for me. But yeah, you can find me. Uh, I have a website, and it's just uh, TeresaMurr.com. And there, um, if you want to, you know, 
talk to me about a, um, you know, a particular treatment or whatever, I do have a 20 minute free telephone call that I will do with you to strategize on uh, maybe um, a difficulty or problem or, or question that you have. Um, you can find my book on there, but I actually direct people to amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com to buy my book. And um, my course, my six-hour course, um, it, it, it is explained a little bit on my, on my website. And if you have any other questions, again, um, I would love to chat with you and set up a call. And um, yeah, I try to run my course every, every couple of months and, you know, for, for therapists. And, um, and, and if you have any questions too about your parents or aging, and um, uh, I, I will gladly, you know, talk to you about my proactive aging process, which I just pretty much explained, but um, it's definitely a proactive and, and start now, you know, it's a great time to start now. But I'm also on, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Facebook, and you can, you can find me there just under my name, Teresa Murr. Yeah. And spell your last name because it's okay. Sure. Doesn't follow and, the rules of phonics. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that does not. It's um, M-O-E-R-E-R. -E yeah. And my, my first name has no H. It's, it's just T-E-R-E-S-A. All righty. Well, thanks, Reese, for being on the show. Thank you so much. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Teresa Moore talking about aging in place and aging and assisting folks that are that are aging. And I think it's interesting when, whenever we do an interview like this with somebody who is a clinician and they're doing something great in the healthcare space, more often than not, I would say almost 100% of the guests on this show, anyways, that are clinicians, seem to have the same viewpoint that we here at the show have about a biopsychosocial approach. They might not call it biopsychosocial, but even Teresa talked about how there's more to healthcare and there's more to improving clinical and functional outcomes than simply objective measures like range of motion and strength and endurance and all that kind of thing. She was talking about you know, nutrition and emotion and the brain and mirror neurons and the neuroscience behind quality of life. And I think it's just fascinating that no matter where you are in healthcare, the idea that you can get away with simply following or simply addressing one of the multiple or myriad of factors that are affecting any one of the patients that you might be seeing is fallacy at its best, right? You're, you're always going to have to address something else. <laughs> I, I use the example of, of shoulder pain or something like that just because I, I own an, an outpatient multidisciplinary clinic. I've, I've worked in orthopedics for a long time doing shoulder rehabilitation, but more often than not, when somebody is referred with the diagnosis of shoulder pain, we spend some time in their initial evaluation, their assessment, talking about their shoulder and what it's limiting. But then we usually end up diving into all of the other ways that it's impacting their quality of life, what other factors are addressing it, especially back when I worked with veterans at the Department of Veterans Affairs. I mean, you talk about patients who would have like a PTSD flashback or some kind of stressor like that, and it would increase their, their pain. I was just on a podcast last week and the the host was asking about pain and 
basically what it, he was asking what is pain and I, I we've written about it on the site you can go check it out at rehabupracticesolutions.com um, but we were talking about that and how the difference uh, between me for example and the patient that might be sitting across the table for me at any given time could be the same exact injury we could have the exact same level of dysfunction but one of us might have better clinical outcomes than the other one. And most of the time that, that has nothing to do with the, the biological or the healing process, the physiological healing process. A lot of it has to do with that, that psychosocial aspects of health, the environment, the, the support system that we may or may not have in place, our past history with injury or doctors or healthcare. And it's just, it's good to see other other clinicians like Teresa taking taking that message to the street. So, um, if you like the show, folks, head on over to iTunes, leave us a rating and review. It helps people find it. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can find us anywhere that you can get a podcast. Basically, <laughs> just look for the Better Outcomes Show. You can also find us at www.betteroutcomes.show. And you'll get all the, the show notes there, links to all our guests, uh, LinkedIn accounts or websites or resources that they might have for the listeners. Um, and again, that's www.betteroutcomes.show. And my shameless plug before I get out of here, um, if you are looking for a way to develop a strategy or system at your clinic or organization uh, and develop the process of care, to allow you to gain new and more patients, to engage those patients throughout the treatment cycle or their relationship cycle with you and your organization, retain those patients both during their initial course of care as well as subsequent courses of care. If you're doing it right, they should be coming back to you for more and more things whenever they have need in the future. Um, and also have former patients become a reliable source of word of mouth referrals then I'd encourage you to check out the Ultimate Patient Experience Blueprint. Um, the exercise we guide you through in this program help you identify critical elements in your strategic thinking and messaging that's required in order for you to develop whatever it's gonna be, marketing templates, patient education handouts, uh, clinic-specific forms, you name it. We basically give you a manual that your organization can use to not only develop future campaigns and marketing initiatives, but also new business development plans to guide quality imp improvement plans and to increase the number of patients that are completing their course of care at your organization. Again, if that's something that you're interested in, you can either shoot us an email at support at rehabupracticesolutions.com We'd love to set up a time to chit chat with you and talk about your clinic, your organization, and if it makes sense for us to do some work together. Or you can head on over to www.rehabupracticesolutions.com slash UPE. That's rehabupracticesolutions.com slash UPE for the ultimate patient experience. Until the next time, everyone be safe, be healthy. I will talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the Better Outcomes Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Our hope is that you walk away from each episode informed, equipped, and empowered to push the boundaries in your own practice or business. 
we want to give you the tools to help you build strong, long-lasting relationships with your patients and clients, helping meet their goals, improve their health, and achieve better outcomes. Learn more at www.rehabupracticesolutions.com. We'll catch you on the next episode.